This is episode number 39 of the Abuse Talk podcast. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my pain into a purpose. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and believe that together we are louder. Each fortnight there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector and sharing it with all of you. We are also mixing it with survivor stories, those with lived experiences. We can learn from them and help raise the awareness of domestic abuse. In this episode, I speak to Christelle Lerin. She shares her journey and also about her upcoming children's book. But before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to Rockpool. They're the main sponsors of Hashtag Abuse Talk and they deliver trauma-informed programmes across the UK. They're also available online. You can check them out at rockpool.life. I have to say a big thank you to Susan Rahima and Katrina Hay for supporting the Hashtag Abuse Talk tier on my Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Jen L. Gilmore. Now let's get straight into it. Christelle has been a connection of mine for quite some time and we certainly had fun recording this podcast for you. I am so excited to speak to Christelle Lerin today because we have been meaning to do something like this forever. Um, I'm going to let Christelle introduce herself, tell us where you are as well because you're not in the UK where I am so we should tell people where you are. Hi, I know, right? Thank you for having me, Jenny. This is so fun. And we have been chatting um, for a very long time on and off um, media, but Mm -hmm. I'm in San Diego, California. So I think I'm the one with the accent this time. Is that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't really say that I would have an accent. You're definitely the one with the accent on, on on here today. So, but yeah, and so it means that we're in different time zones. So it's not been that hard to pin pin you down because you're used to the time zone difference aren't you Christelle? I am used to it I get to run a show with UK-based Tim um, Lewis we do oh no not another live show and then of course my boyfriend is also in the UK so I, I know UK time in fact my body's almost adjusted to UK time too much I never know what time it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah so right now I should be having like a hot chocolate before bed I guess well I mean it is only quarter past six so maybe not but uh, my kids will be having a hot you know hot chocolate or something before bed um, but not for you um well we we've been wanting to do this for ages this is what happened we will just talk won't we Christelle um that's what happened last time when I was actually on the uh, no, not another live show <laughs> and we just, we just talked didn't we <laughs> but it was really nice and um, it really helped me get to know you as well so even though it was a conversation um, around my work I actually got to know about you which was really lovely and it sort of opened up um, a really nice connection I think so I would love you to tell everybody a bit about your journey and um, obviously we've got so much to talk about so we want to take everybody on that journey to where you are today. 
Okay. Start from <laughs> right the beginning. at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in and ask me any questions. I'm good with that. But three years ago, about three and a half years ago, August of 2017, I took my three boys and left a 20 year narcissistically abusive marriage. And by the time I left, I had no money. I did not have a job. Um, I was emotionally completely drained. What you see now, this person who's alive and awake, I was not. I looked dead to the point of family members told me, Christelle, you looked gray, like you looked like you were dying, which is so um, familiar to people who have walked through abuse of any sort. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, three years ago, three and a half years ago, I actually took my boys, we left. And like many stories, um, I actually left at least three times before the final um, breakaway, getaway. And I was lucky. I had family to go to um, the night that the night before I left. Let me tell you this, because this is um, something I really, really want to get across with my message is the night before I left. I remember thinking in bed, I had my door locked by that time. I was always locking my door to keep my ex out. Um, and I remember thinking about, oh my God, what am I doing? Because I knew the next day my brother was coming to pick up me, the kids and what little stuff we were about to take. But I remember lying in bed and thinking, my gosh, like, I don't even know if I believe in hope. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I remember, I remember thinking about a message I had heard from a speaker a faith-based speaker. And he had shared in his message that if you don't have faith, borrowed some of mine, and someday you're going to have faith and someday you're going to have hope um, to be able to share again. And I just remember thinking if hope is real and the stories are real that I've heard from other people, maybe just maybe I'm going to get through this on the other side. And maybe there's a new story for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe new beginnings are true. And I didn't have much to cling to because I was leaving an entire 20 year life behind and everything was going to change. And I had no idea where I was going. And I just remember thinking that in bed, I remember being both devastated and thinking, but what if, what if? And so um, the next day my brother came with his truck, we took clothes, a few items and never went back. And that began um, a three-year journey of healing and becoming something new. And, um, you know, Jennifer, when you leave an abusive marriage, you don't know who the hell you are. Like you have forgotten completely who you are, if you even knew who you were to begin with. Mm. I remember when I left, I had no idea who I was. I didn't even know how to feel. I mean, people would ask me how I felt and I didn't know. I didn't have words to verbalize who I was, how I felt, what I wanted, what I needed. Um, and so, yeah, for three years, um, the past three and a half years, I have grown, I have healed, I have met a new community of support. Um, and that's not to say I didn't have support then. I was very lucky because a lot of times in a narcissistic marriage or relationship, all support is taken from you. I was lucky. I was living in my hometown. So I did have family and friends who supported me, but um, a very small handful. Um, but I've gotten my voice back. Yes. I decided over the past, <laughs> I 
can't stop talking now. (laughs) (laughs) But I went from being silenced and terrified Mm. to share my story because of the the world that I left. Um, I was terrified to share my story. I was terrified of ruining my my husband at the time's um, career. I was terrified of being called crazy. I was terrified of not being believed. Um, and over the past year, especially when COVID hit and we hit lockdown, and um, I decided to start a brand and start sharing my story. Um, something interesting happens to people who have nothing left to lose. It's like when you have nothing left to lose, there's nothing to lose. So- exactly. <laughs> like my husband always used to say that. And he always said um, to me, what's the half of nothing? Nothing. So you know, like, but it's really difficult to put yourself in that mindset, isn't it? Because, you know, if we take ourselves back to that moment, and I'm, I can I completely relate to some of those things that you're saying, you know, we're in a web of all the different reasons as to why we've stayed with that person, because it's almost like there is so much fog, and we cannot see anything else but this person next to us um it's very self-centered it's very closed in you your mind is almost like with his isn't it and it's it's really difficult what I'd like to know though from you is obviously you you had planned to leave so how did how did that come about because I think that's a really scary time knowing that you're going to leave and knowing that you're preparing for that, but him not knowing it. So I'd love to know what got you to that point and how you felt in that sort of stage. Yeah. I think in 2014 or 2015, I had an idea that this wasn't going to work. And so I just, didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't know where to go. Uh, My boys are older and um, I knew I wasn't going to leave my boys behind period, but I started researching places I could possibly go. And there's not much out there for women and children. It's very limited. And that's really sad. I hope that changes, but there's not that much out there. And places that I suggested my boys didn't want to go to. And there was no way I was leaving my boys behind. So Mm. the journey I think began in about 2014, 2015 to where I knew this was not going to work. This, you cannot allow your children to stay. I knew, let me, let me turn this back on me. I knew I could not allow my children to continue to be in that environment. I knew that. Um, But like you said, there's fog. There's so many lies that you're having to weave through. There's, there's the, that, what is it called when you mesh with the person and um, you're believing the lies? I can't remember what the term is called. Um, but well, it's, like, but I was, it's almost like, I think a lot of the time people do um, use the word, you know, like gaslighting, for example. Yeah. And it's hard to really understand what that is really like unless you're living it or have experienced it because you just, I think the only way to describe being under that level of control is that you don't think for yourself. You don't make any decisions. You don't make any choices. You Mm -hmm. are 
asking him for every permission, your any thought that comes into your mind, you're thinking, what's he going to think? What's the answer going to be to that? Is that okay? Is that me? You know, did I really do that? And you're questioning constantly, right? Absolutely. And I naturally believe people. Mm. And so on the one hand, I had an idea that I was going to leave. On the other hand, every other day, I'm so sorry, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Now you can trust me. You can trust me now. Now, let me tell you, if someone has to keep telling you that you can trust them, huge red flag, because people who are trustworthy don't have to use those words that you can trust me. But in that moment, I didn't know this. What I know now, I didn't know then. And I wanted to be able to trust him. And what does every wife want? Every wife wants to believe their husband and wants to be loved. Mm. All I wanted was to be loved, right? And so he would sit down with my children and tell them, you can trust me this time. I'm so sorry for putting you through this. I'm going to change. I'm working hard to change every other day, but that's abuse. And that's why mm. we stay. And that's what trauma bonding. That's what yeah, I was trying that's to say. It. I was going to come bonding. to that, the word trauma bonding. <laughs> I was like that. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know these terms until later. And I didn't even know the word narcissism and I didn't know all these mm. things until much later. So the journey began in 2014. Um, by the very end, it was my sister-in-law who said, Christelle, you cannot stay. You have to go. And my uh, sister-in-law and brother had really, really uh, walked with me through so many hard, 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 devastating times of, um, I mean, my mental health was horrible. I was having breakdowns all the time. I couldn't think I was hyperventilating. And so she finally said, you have to leave. I asked them if they'd be willing to open up their house to me. So I had a place to go. Um, and so does that answer your question? I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I think, I think it does. I think, I think for me, like I didn't have a plan in place. Um, it, 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 it sort of all just came to a head in a way, even though it was coming, it's really quite strange. Um, but I always think about people that are, I'm going to leave. I've got a safety plan with a support worker or with family members and they're sat in those relationships. I know now that I've got people that have spoken to me and they spoke to me three months ago and they know they want to leave and they're still there. And I just think, how are you getting through the day? Because for me, I didn't know that I was in that kind of relationship until way after, um, like nine months after that relationship had ended, did I realize what happened to me so the fact that there's you know maybe you I don't know if this is true for you but there's people out there that I speak to know what's happening to them are reading up on it and they're with them and they're still there you know that that really gives me that really makes me feel nervous and anxious and concerned so I guess um did you know um what what that was then or was it you knew it was like not right, but you couldn't pin what it was. My I don't journey want to speak to, for you, so no, <laughs> Just... no, no. I'm. I, it's no. This is good, and it's a really good question because it seems like most of us never didn't even realize we were being abused. Um, I, I didn't know that I was being abused for the majority of my marriage, and 
it sounds so strange to say that, but I didn't know. And some of it was actually physical. Mm. Um, most of it was mental. Most of it was spiritual, financial, um, emotional, but, um, a little bit physical as well. Um, and I still didn't know. And it's again, so hard to explain that to people like, how would you not know? I don't, but, um, what ended up happening was towards the end, when you're in a a long-term, uh, relationship, often the worst happens at the end. And so the last five years were absolutely the worst. Whereas the first 15 where I was being abused, there was a lot of gaslighting. There's a lot of scapegoating. There's a lot of lies, a lot of betrayal. The absolute worst of it wasn't until the the last five years. Um, And I don't know if it's that he couldn't hide it anymore. I don't know if it's, it just got so out of control. The lies grew. I don't know. I don't really know. But what happened was I ended up going to a church service and I'm just going to say what happened. (laughs) And in that church service, an older couple came up to me and said, um, Christelle, you're being abused. And they, my oldest son was with me and they talked to him as well and um, had words for both of us. And it was the first time that it dawned on me that, what? Oh my gosh, what is this? I'm being abused. And I remember the next day I called my brother and told him what, what I had heard and what they had said both to me and my oldest son. And he said, well, Christelle, you are. And so for my brother to say that, who had walked through the last five years with us, um, for him to say that, that was kind of my awakening of, oh my gosh. And then Jennifer, something that happened too was, I truly thought I was going crazy. I really did. And so I started Googling, literally started Googling, I think I'm going crazy. And that's the first time that I heard of the word narcissistic abuse. Hmm. And suddenly I had words like gaslighting and scapegoating and Mm. all the words that kind of go along with it. And suddenly having those words started to make, help my life make sense for me, Mm. even though it's an incredibly insane life to live. Um, So at the end, I did know, but the majority of my marriage, I didn't know. And ironically, I actually had people tell me every once in a while throughout different seasons, you know, he doesn't treat you very well. Even when I first met him, I met him in Bible college. I was told he doesn't treat you very well. And I just overlooked it. I believed the stories he told me. Um, I just kind of thought he was a rebel that he enjoyed living dangerously. And I stayed. And the truth is he didn't treat me good. He never did. Mm. Well, but you got out. And I, um, yeah. I, I would love to know, have you spoken to that couple in that church since then? Or I didn't because they were there visiting. It was for a weekly event that was going on during that season. And I was bringing my boys to these events every week just to kind of get encouragement and hope. And they were there visiting one of the main speakers. Um, and I haven't seen them since. I haven't. Uh, no. No, I don't even know that they would know who I was. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, would, that what was... would you say to them if, you know, if you like bumped into them then? I think I would tell them my story because there were more words than just um, you're in an abusive relationship. There were more words than that. They also gave me hope. And they said, Christelle, you're meant to be sharing love and you're going to be sharing love with the world. 
And at the time I thought, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I'm living under a cloud. I am depressed and I have no idea what they're talking about. But girl, I have written a story about love for children because in the end, I knew that I wanted to write a children's story. So I ended up turning a letter that I wrote to myself in 2017, a love story to myself because I felt super unlovable at that time. I ended up turning it into a, a children's book about love. And I kind of took to heart what some authors have put out there into the world. And that is tell the story you want to leave for your children. And I thought, you know what, if I don't leave any mm -hmm. other story for my children, it'll be this children's story, everything that I would want them and their children and future generations to know about love. And love is so simple. And so it's funny going back to those words that those people said, one, you're being abused and kind of encouraging me in some ways to get out, but think for myself. Um, but also this is your purpose mm. and your purpose is love. And so I wrote a children's book about that. So I would tell them, thank you. I think you asked me what I would tell them. I would say thank you. And I would tell them what, what came. Yeah, the tell them your story, which, you know, you're unfolding here. So um, tell us a bit more about the children's book. What is it called? Okay. This is the first time I'm actually saying the title out loud. I've kept it kind of secret. So, <gasps> so my, my illustrator who lives in Scotland. All right. He lives in Scotland. I know. So he came up with a title because I didn't have a title for a very long time. And he said, you know what, let's, let's name. It's about a little girl who's, who's finding love and learning what love is. And he said, what do you think of the, the name Ashlyn? Well, Scotland I think Scotland and Ireland, maybe even the UK, I don't know, but you spell words different. So it looks like Aisling to me, A-I-S-L-I-N-G. Right. Okay. But it's actually Ashlyn, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, yeah. okay. So you wouldn't know this in the US. So when he gave me the name of the little girl, I thought, you know what? That's really, really cool. And Ashlyn means dream. Right. And the book is about a little girl who has a dream. And I thought, that's it. So it's called Ashlyn's Dream. It's a journey about um, a little girl meeting up with a new friend and finding about love, finding out about love and what love means. And it's really, really, really simple because love is simple. So, so I'm so excited about this. So it's not out yet. When out do yet. we have a date? We don't because I was originally going to self-publish. And then I thought, you know what? These illustrations are so beautiful. I am just going to see what happens. I'm going to send some queries out. I did this back in October. I'm going to send some queries out and just see what's the worst that can happen. Yeah, and right. By the way, you, this is not how you publish a book. You don't like, you don't write it, get all the illustrations and then write a publisher. <laughs> you do not do this. this. This is not how you do it. But I thought, let's just see what happens. And so one publisher came back to me and said, you know what? we're really interested in your story. We're really interested in what you're doing. Send us the, the manuscript and the pictures. And I actually just did it this past week. So I'm waiting to hear from this particular publisher to see if they're actually going to take my story. Um, and if they don't, I'll self-publish it. Um, and so a few months, I suppose. Yeah, I'm no, just... that sounds so exciting. I mean, either way, um, you know, it's, I mean, I've seen some of the, um, I think the drafts are, are some of the illustrations you have teased. Um, so, I, I mean, and they are stunning. So I think you were right. Like, there's nothing wrong with um, 
seeing those illustrations and then go, wow, my stories come to life. Like I, you know, when you vision something and it's not, it's completely different or, you know, and you're like, actually, this is got to be sent out so I think you've done the right thing in in you know giving it out there trying testing the waters and even if you did self-publish somebody could still pick it up so I'm really excited um what if you know like people listening and they're like oh I want to get a hold of this book but it's not out yet so how how can people um keep up to date with your progress and um get in touch with you or follow you where can people do that they can follow me. Uh, my website is christelleloren.com. So it's, it's a C-H-R-I-S-T-E-L-L-E-L-E-R-R-Y-N.com. That was good <laughs> spelling, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm also on Twitter at SD Christelle. And I'm on Instagram, sd.christelle. And the SD, of course, is for San Diego. So you can find me all over the place there. Um, I'm on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Christelle Loren. And that's where I try to keep up with, especially the, the story and what progress we're making and what's happening. But I cannot wait to have this story out. Um, I'm really hoping that it opens up doors for me to share hope and love. Yeah, well, I think what would be really great is if, um, you know, when you've actually published it, if you let me know so I can let everybody know <laughs> about <you> it. <laughs> and obviously, so I can read it because I've got three children. So I guess I should ask what age range would it be for? It is for everybody. It's okay. for children through adults. And I did that on purpose. I did that. I wanted a story that. Because what is love? Everyone needs that message, right? We all need to hear that we're love, that we walk in love, that our purpose is love. That's the gist of the story. And so it is from ages zero to 110. It's, <laughs> it's all cap at 110. I just want to sit down with people and share stories and bring out the hope and love in everybody's story. And that's kind of what I'm hoping this book does, that it'll be kind of my... my uh, ticket to be able to sit down with people and get to know people and chat with them about love and then I have a gift to offer as well right well seeing as it's um you know about love like for me I um came out of that relationship and I pretty much went straight in to a new relationship which if you went on like a recovery program they would say don't do that you know you have to learn the signs the symptoms you know what if you're going into another abusive relationship but for me, um, this person was a friend. They helped me out of the situation. Um, you probably know a bit of that story. And um, he's been with me throughout my recovery and um, beyond. But I feel like I have learned to love and learned to trust. And I've had to start. And he's gone through so many rings, right? <laughs> it's so mm. not his fault but it did it's like you know when you if you went in an abusive relationship you would go into that a new relationship and you would just work from the ground up but I felt like there was a hole that had to be filled and the foundations needed to be laid and to even begin to get there so how how did you find 
you know, taking those steps and thinking about, do I want an, another relationship? You know, you're talking about love in your children's book. So I'm guessing you've been on that kind of journey as well in terms of coming out of that relationship mm-hmm. and then maybe looking for the right kind of love. Mm-hmm. You're right. And um, there is that season of healing, however you go about it. And I think anyone coming out of an abusive relationship, some sort of trauma therapy is necessary, whatever that looks like. I know for me, I ended up needing um, intense trauma therapy to where I had EMDR, um, Mm. internal family systems and therapy. And I needed to know who I even was. I didn't even know who I was when I left. So in uh, going through the past three and a half years and, and rediscovering who I am and, and sometimes discovering who I am for the first time in finding my voice and finding what I actually enjoy and what I like to do. You know what? Actually, I wasn't looking for a relationship mm. at all. I had no desire to date, though I did a tiny bit. But I'm someone who likes to get to know people's hearts. And it's really hard for me to really get to know people and think this is just frivolous dating. I'm not, I, that's not something I enjoy. And so I wasn't looking. Um, and then I accidentally found this really neat person in the UK <laughs> who became a really good friend. And, and there's something about as much as you heal, there's still wounds that you are unaware of until you enter into a relationship, right? Yeah. And I've heard this over and over and that's okay because it's going to make you stronger if you're aware of that because you find out what you need to heal from. And when COVID hit and lockdown hit, it became very, very um, pertinent to me that I uh, go into trauma therapy. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had trauma therapy up until that point. I had therapy. I had hypnotherapy, but I knew I needed intense trauma therapy because I did not want to bring the intense trauma into my new relationship Mm. at all. I didn't want to bleed all over him. Um, Is that to say that we haven't had a journey of discovery and healing together? Of course we have. We absolutely Mm -hmm. have. But um, I've done trauma therapy. He's done trauma therapy. And it's just been a beautiful journey. Um, And we're always going to be healing. Mm. You know, we're always going to be finding something new in the journey. And so, but yeah, the therapy was something that I absolutely needed. And I'm not sure that trauma therapy is discussed as much as it should be. Um, I, I knew from my own research that I needed that. I knew that I needed that EMDR. Mm. (laughs) So, and if, if people don't know what that is, I think it's rapid eye movement, desensitization. Yeah, in in a different order, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. But I needed that. Yeah. And it's hard. I think that's so important that you and, and, you know, say so much actually about where you were to actually recognize that you needed that help and support. Um, Because I think that's a part of the journey in itself, like recognizing I need that help, um, Mm. but being willing to make changes um to recognize that when you're in an abusive relationship that affects your own behavior and habits and you've then got to work so hard on yourself as well 
And it's just really not easy, is it? I think anybody who has gone through an abusive relationship has written and is in that recovery stage, they, you know, they're their champion in what in the fact that they're doing that because it takes so much energy. Um, so I really appreciate that you shared, you know, there's parts of your journey. Um, and I hope it helps somebody because I think we need to talk about support. And I think, you know, um, I think I saw something the other day that you don't need to be at the lowest point to ask for support in general, not even for, as in anybody, any, any human being shouldn't have to get themselves to that point of desperation. They can just be like before that point or way before that point to recognize, actually, I need some help and that's okay. Mm. Um, But it's really difficult because I think there's been a lot of factors as to why we wouldn't do that. And I think we're in a, a hopefully in a different kind of society and change that we can look at mental health on a scale and not as an illness. Mm. Um, but it's it's just a case of us um, and others and organisations educating people on that so that people don't feel embarrassed, ashamed and all those different things that come with it. Because I think early in, in, in my recovery... I was I didn't tell anybody and I'd gotten a certificate for complete in the recovery program I know that you've read the self-help book version and that was the first thing that I was proud of after coming out of that relationship but I didn't tell anybody and it's like I felt like I should be like it was like a degree or something you know like a massive step um And I should never have felt like I should hide that. I should have been proud of that. So I think taking those steps forwards, you've certainly done that. And um, I feel like I've been on a part of your journey as well. Like even if it's um, just a small section of that journey, I feel like I've been on there with you. (laughs) You you have. You know what? It's so interesting because when we're open up, when we open ourselves up to love and hope and healing, somehow the universe, God, love brings you together so that you meet the right people at the right time. I am a firm believer in that. And I know that makes me sound, but, but I'm such a firm believer that when we're open, our hearts are open to that. We meet phenomenal celebrators of humanity and that's who you are. Um, Can I ask you really quick? Can you tell us who... I'm doing what I said I would do. Can you tell us the program you went to though? Because that's really cool. That book that you, that Oh you yeah. Did so it's, um, I mean, it's called the recovery toolkit. Um, and it's a 12 week program to help you to support your journey after domestic abuse, even the program before lockdown, um, which you would have, wouldn't have been able to go on because it was UK only, it was delivered in, you know, different areas of the UK and you could go on to that um, program through your local authority. Um, but because of COVID, um, it's been made into a self-help book, which I know you have um, read. Um, and for me, I'm really happy with that because it means it's more accessible. And also it means that when I am talking to people like you, I can share it with you. I don't have to be like, oh no, I can't, you know, it's, there's a barrier removed, isn't there? Um, and yeah, I think, um, I don't know, how did you feel reading it though? Because I went on the program in person, 
you read it as a self-help book? I know that one of the very first pages, it says, this is for people after they have left. And it was really important to know that. And I think that's really good. Um, I think it's an incredible resource for women who have just left an abusive relationship. And really, I guess at any stage, because it has so many resources and ideas. And, and one of the big things I got from it, from it was the importance of self-care and self-love. Because we never learned to love ourselves. We were only allowed to love everyone else in the midst of abuse. And for the first time, you're, when you're given permission to love yourself and you learn the importance of that, you realize that, you know what? Love is only true once we've learned to love ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing selfish about that. Yeah. And that's really difficult, like to actually learn. Right. So you've just said it like that. And I know that that's like really difficult to sort of, yeah, give yourself permission. Like for me at first, it was a minute in the bath. Now I'll be in the bath for hours, you know, or I'll go to the spa, you know, when we can do, but it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a process, isn't it? So there's times that I actually revisit it and, um, you know think about actually what's stopping me now what's what's the barrier in place is this you know why is my mindset that way or you know I try and think how can I overcome it instead of avoid it um so yeah I'm really glad that we got to share that but yeah we flipped it round Christelle we we flipped (laughs) it round (laughs) <laughs> she said she was going to do this everyone <laughs> um so but I think you know that just says so much about you to be honest you know you've got this lovely caring nature about you you want to find out about people and their stories as well as sharing your own so I you know thank you for your um willingness to learn and to explore and just in your nature you're just so lovely you always make me smile. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to get an emotional now. <laughs> Don't get emotional, but, but I, I want know. to come see you someday in a hole. I and we're in a cartoon. That. We're in that cartoon together. We were friends before we even yeah. knew it. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that's crazy. So we're talking about Peter and Paul on Twitter. And... Um, they are, I don't even know if you know who Peter and Paul are, but they are. They are. We're like besties on Twitter, but other than that, well, I don't know. So Peter and Paul are actually like, um, I wouldn't say, well, they are icons for our local news station, right? <laughs> so this, so the presenter of the news um, is Peter Levy. And that's, that's who Peter is based on. And Paul is the weatherman. <laughs> Oh, he's so, the weatherman. Yeah, right. But this is um, a parody um, account that has been set up that celebrates them. <laughs> it's so, so funny. And I'm like, how did you get on this? Because it's for Hull. And even James is not in Hull, right? So <laughs> I'm like, it's so random. But you know what's funny is I got put in the cartoon before I even did anything in the UK. Like I didn't know I wasn't doing anything with Tim. I hadn't met James yet. And I was in this super rad cartoon and I'm like, Whoa, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I get to be UK <laughs> for, for this cartoon. Um, I think there's more Americans in it now. I think there might've been one or two at the time, but, but 
the I'm irony you, is like it's her town. not easy to get on that cartoon and um when um my friend got added to it she was like oh, i'm famous <laughs> That's what it's become in the local area. It's it's so funny. It so makes we're me on laugh, and I love it when they pick and um, pick out. Um, they focus and do something, and um, I'm like a superhero on mine. So I think what we're going to have to do is maybe get the pictures and pop it together so everyone can see it in like a post. <laughs> Otherwise, we need people to. Think we're we need, completely nuts. We need to think. <laughs> We need to thank them too because they've done a lot. Yeah. A lot of really, so really cool. let me find their Twitter account so we can everyone can find them because they you should follow Peter and Paul basically is what we're saying. They're um, so funny. So yeah, we're I I get to live in a hole in a cartoon. Am yeah. I even saying that right? How do you hole? Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's never dull in hole. Yeah. So that's where I'm from. Um and. Yeah, so you can find Peter and Paul, and it's literally just the at on obviously on Twitter here, Peter underscore and underscore Paul underscore. And um, I did have until I broke the mug with my face in it on on the mug. If I broke it by accident, I was really I need upset. To buy so mug. I need to replace it, basically. But yeah, I, I feel like buy. I'm on the panel with all these different celebrities. I mean, who's there on there? Like Ant and Dec, and I mean, I don't Elton even know if you John. know who Ant and know what Dec happened? is. Or <laughs> Do you know, well, no, you know what happened? They created, they put me in a cartoon with a local news person, and I can't remember Phil, Phil White. I want to say. Oh Do you yeah, know that's that um, he's a radio uh, radio, guy. yeah. Okay, so they put me in a cartoon with Phil White, and I thought it was Elton John. <laughs> so I responded with, oh my gosh, I'm in a cartoon with Elton John. Thank you. And they were laughing, and Phil was laughing. And they're like, that's not Elton John. But they ended up creating a cartoon for me with Phil and Elton. And now whenever they draw the cartoon, it's me, Phil, and Elton John. <laughs> I love how they remember this stuff. Like, how do they do it? So, guys, you're going to have to go and check out their Twitter account. So, yeah, Christelle and I were aligned through a cartoon way before we met. <laughs> it's amazing. really ridiculous. Um, so I think that should should make us close because otherwise I think we'll continue down this route <laughs> so for everybody listening if you want to find out more about Christelle and the work that she's doing her children's book which is upcoming you can go to christellelerin.com and um, I'm going to tag her in purse so I'm hoping um, everybody already is in touch with you and knows who you are just because you're on the podcast so Yay. thank you for being an absolute gem today Christelle you've been fantastic to talk to and um, I, I wish you all the best with your children's book and look forward to hearing about it because I would love to grab a copy thank you thank you thank you thank you for having me Thank you again, Christelle, for what I had so much fun recording that podcast episode. And I hope that everybody listening enjoyed it just as much as we did. Um, you have been listening to me, Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings. Both are available on Amazon and you can also find them at jennifergilmore.com. Mm-hmm.